Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. One of the things that I have learned as I'm looking into, into the spiritual gifts as we are studying this topic together is that when it comes to spiritual gifts, Paul gives a huge priority to the building up of the body. And I think that's the reason why he stopped. He, he, it almost feels like he stops his, his discussion on the spiritual gifts in chapter 12 to talk about love. Although, you know, it is still part of the argument and he's still talking about spiritual gifts. And then he continues to talk about, you know, he, he picks up where he left in a sense, right? Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 31, he says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he says, And I will show you a still more excellent way. And it's almost like this little parenthesis of love and how it is, it's the one that is going to last over this uh, uh, spiritual gifts, which are temporary. But then if you go back to, ver- if you go to verse chapter 14, you see that he is picking back up and he says, pursue love and earnest desire the spiritual gifts. So again, the topic is about desiring spiritual gifts. And so let me, um, as, as a way of illustration, let us think for a moment about how sometimes some believers, and, and, and if we're honest, I'm sure that all of us at some point have felt this way, but how sometimes we view the church as a business, almost like a, think of a restaurant. What happens when you go to a restaurant where you go, you go, you find the place that looks nice, you find a place that looks clean, you find a place that maybe someone recommended, and you go there and you wait to be seated. And then when you're sitting, you wait, you know, you are waited by, by, a, by a waiter and you are expecting to be served, to be uh, uh, given food. And it's all about the, the experience of how the restaurant serves us, right? But what happens if we go to a restaurant where, you know, the food wasn't great or the waiting time was too long, uh, the waiter was rude, there was a hair in the, in the, on, in the plate? What happens? Well, you know, maybe we'll give it another shot or maybe we'll say, you know what, I'm going to go find a different church. I'm sorry, a different restaurant. Um, And I think that's how we think about church oftentimes, or that's how some believers think about church. We think about church as this product that we consume. And so what happens when we find a church that that maybe, you know, the music is, is not that great or... Uh, the preacher is, you know, a little bit boring sometimes. Or what happens, you know, when we find a church, but the building is not that clean, you know, whatever. Well, if we have the mentality of saying, uh, you know, this is more, uh, this is for me. Like church is, is something that I'm looking for me, for my building up, for my edification, for my uh uh, for my experience, right? I want church to be a place where I can meet with God. And so 
not, not that that's necessarily wrong to want to meet with God. But one of the things that, that we are going to see today and that hopefully we have been seeing is that when the churches gather together, collective edification takes priority over individual worship. When the church is gathered together, collective edification, that is the, the edification of the whole body, is more important than individual, an individual experience of worship. And so let's read uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 19. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy, or teaching. If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. This is the word of God. So, this is an interesting passage, but I think this passage really reveals the heart. Well, I mean, really, the, the study of the whole section reveals the heart 
of, of, of Paul's argument. But I think this particular passage, at least for me, was the one that kind of turned the light bulb on for me. That the whole, really one of the main points about this section is that our priority when we are gathered should be the building up of the body. Our priority when we are exercising our spiritual gifts should be the building up of the body. And so, in this case, Paul has just talked about the pursuit of love, right? And so, in, in, in chapter 14, verse 1, he tells them, pursue love. But just because we are called to pursue love, and just because love is going to last forever, and, and spiritual gifts eventually are going to cease, it doesn't mean that we pursue love at the expense of the spiritual gifts, right? Yes, we pursue love, and we give it priority. But it doesn't mean that we just throw spiritual gifts out the window. Paul himself is telling us, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And remember, we, we talked about the fact that the Spirit is the one that gives the spiritual gifts according to his will. But the fact that God gives sovereignly of his spiritual gifts doesn't mean that we are not to desire them. In fact, we are called to earnestly desire them. The fact that God gives sovereignly spiritual gifts doesn't mean that we can't pray for them. In fact, uh, uh, in, I believe, I can't remember if it's first, or, I think it's 2 Timothy, where Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift that was given to him by the laying of hands. And if Paul is talking about a spiritual gift right there, then there might be even precedent for saying that we could lay hands over someone asking God for them to receive a particular spiritual gift. So we are to earnestly desire spiritual gifts Pursuing love and the fact that love never ends does not mean that we throw spiritual gifts out the window. But it does mean that when we gather together, because we are pursuing love, because love is, is, is uh, uh, the, the driving force of these spiritual gifts, it means that we are going to prioritize the gifts that are more, that, that are most beneficial for the building up of the body. One, one phrase that always puzzled me was chapter 12, verse 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. I, it, I, you know, it's still a really uh, difficult passage. It's a difficult sentence that Paul writes because what, is, what does he mean? Like, does it mean that, that, you know, the order that he's giving there, does that mean that there's a hierarchy, hierarchy of gifts? And... You know, I'm not going to say this like this is exactly how it is, but just based on the context, it seems to me like in Paul's mind, the higher gifts are those that have the most potential to edify others. And in this particular case, Paul is comparing prophecy with tongues. This is, this is what, what at least the first half of chapter, tw- chapter 14 is. He is, talk- he is comparing prophecy with tongues. And so he tells them, earnestly desire the, spe- the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So Paul would rather the Corinthians prophesy than um, speak in tongues. And the reason is because prophecy has more potential to edify the church. There's another thing that he says that it's also... Uh, 
a little puzzling to me, but I think it makes sense. In verse, um, in verse 5, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So notice, Paul is not even saying that the gift of prophecy is greater. He is saying the person who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless there's someone who interprets. So, you know, that leaves you wondering, okay, so what's, what's going on? What is Paul trying to say here? Well, I think that goes in line with the teaching of Jesus that if you want to be great, you have to serve others, right? Remember uh, what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 20, 20 uh, 26, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The reason why the one who's, who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues is because the one who prophesies is actually serving the church. The one who prophesies is speaking words that build up the church, or the way Paul puts it in verse 3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So the one who speaks in, the one who prophesies is greater because he is building up the church by what he's saying. But the problem with the one that speaks in tongues, not that speaking in tongues is, is evil or is bad, but the problem with the one that speaks in tongues is that he is only speaking to God, but no one else can understand what he is saying. The gift of prophecy has more potential to edify, to serve the church. So what about tongues? Does that mean that tongues are bad? Does that mean that we should forbid speaking in tongues? Well, Paul literally says, do not forbid speaking in tongues in uh, verse 39 of chapter 14. Paul also says, uh, Verse 5, now I want you all to speak in tongues. Paul himself says that he speaks in tongues. He says, I speak more tongues than all of you. Right? So Paul himself makes use of the spiritual gift of tongues. So it's not that tongues are bad. The catch here is that tongues, unless there is interpretation, they are not building anybody up other than the person who is speaking in tongues. Paul says that when he is with the church, when he is, he says, when, when in, in uh, verse 19, he says, I think, uh, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a, in a tongue. So when he is in church, when he is with the church gathered, he would much rather say five words so that the church can be edified, so that the church can be instructed, so that the church can be built up, than speak in tongues because no one else can understand.
So why is it that prophecy is to be preferred over tongues in the gathering of the church? Well, because prophecy is intelligible. Because when someone is prophesying, they are, they are uh, uh, saying some sort of revelation that they receive from God. They are speaking it to the church. They are encouraging the church. They are comforting the church with prophetic words, but they are speaking the same language as the audience. They are doing it orderly. They are taking turns to prophesy. We're going to see that in uh, next week. But they are doing it for, they are doing it in a way that can be understood. The problem with speaking in tongues is that it cannot be understood unless there is an interpreter. And so if you think about it, speaking in tongues in the church gathering without an interpreter is actually a, a bad practice. It's actually kind of selfish if you think about it. Because you are only seeking your personal edification at the expense of your brothers and sisters who have no clue what you are saying. One of the things that one one of the things that that I have been thinking about, you probably heard me say, uh, I, I take pains to always call it the Sunday gathering. You've probably noticed that I don't usually say worship gathering, not because you know, not because the term worship gathering is bad. Uh, the reason why, why I say Sunday gathering or the gathering of the church instead of worship gathering is because of a misunderstanding or a poor understanding that the church has of worship. When we think of worship, or at least what, what Christian culture around us thinks of worship, we always think of worship as this moment where you have this really, really deep, an intimate connection between you and God. And so with this definition of worship, it means that when you come to the worship gathering, you are expecting to have that deep, intimate connection between you as an individual and God. And so this means that you're probably going to prefer music that is more emotive, more emotional, You're probably going to prefer more times of, you know, maybe instrumentic playing in the background where you can just be connecting with God. You're probably going to expect that the, the sermon is speaking directly to you and is leading you to have that intimate connection with God. And I'm not saying that having an intimate connection with God is a bad thing. It's really good. It's amazing to have an intimate connection with God. But from this passage, I almost get the feel, actually, not almost, I get the feel that Paul is saying, if you want to have an intimate connection with God, do it at home. When you come to the church gathering, you are there to build up the body of Christ. When you come to the church gathering, you are there so that everyone together, collectively, we have a connection with one another as a body, and therefore we worship God by sacrificing ourselves. 
And this is really good news, especially for those that are already sacrificing during the gathering of the church. This is good news for the moms that feel like they cannot get half the sermon because they're, you know, just trying to get the children to sit down and be quiet because it means that your sacrificing of yourself to disciple your children so that others can pay attention to the sermon is actually acceptable spiritual worship to God. And this is good news for the musicians that maybe cannot focus on the words because they have to be playing an instrument because by making that sacrifice of not focusing on the words that we're singing but playing your instrument, you are helping the body to sing to God. You are sacrificing yourself to see, so that others can sing to God. This is good news for those who, who sometimes have to stay out there as, as you know, part of the security team or it's good news for those who arrive early for whatever it is that they have to do. It is good news for those who host events in their homes or missional community in their homes because it means that that sacrifice that you are making is actual spiritual worship. Right? Remember Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The sacrifice of our bodies, the sacrifice of ourselves, that is acceptable spiritual worship. So if you come to the Sunday gathering and you don't feel like you have this, you know, deep, intimate connection with God, you don't feel like, you know, you would like to have this experience where, where you feel this fire in your heart, that's okay. You can, you can seek that at home. But when you come to the Sunday gathering, make it your priority to build up the body of Christ. When you go to your missional community family dinner, make it your priority to serve the body of Christ. Make it your priority to sacrifice yourself, to sacrifice your rights for the body of Christ. Therefore, let us, let us worship God through the sacrifice of ourselves to edify the church. So in the case of the Corinthians, even though some of them were really proud of speaking in tongues, the right thing to do for them was, well, if there's no interpreter, I am not going to speak in tongues in the gathering of the church. And for, the, for those who prophesied, it means that even if they had a prophetic word, even though it is intelligible, they were supposed to take turns and only a few were supposed to prophesy. Perhaps in our context, it means that if I have a word of exhortation for a brother or a sister, I need to think about my, the way that I'm going to do it. I need to think about my motives and I need to think about, okay, is my motivation for speaking this word of exhortation the building up of my brother, the building up of my sister? Or am I doing this just because something that they do is annoying to me? 
this means that if I'm showing hospitality, I am going to sacrificially adapt to the needs of my guests. It means that I'm not going to impose my extremely healthy diet on my guests who they don't care if we, you know if we drink soda or gluten free or non, you know non gluten free or whatever it means that when i'm hosting someone i am going to sacrifice for them i'm going to try to be as accommodating as possible it means that if i if my spiritual gift is the gift of teaching it means that i'm not going to use all of my fancy language and, and, and uh, vocabulary that I've acquired through all of my studies, rather it means that I'm going to simplify what I'm saying so that the, the, the most amount of people can be edified and can be built up. It means that if I have the gift of leading, I'm not going to do it like the Gentiles lead. I'm not going to lord it over the people. Rather, I'm going to lead them by serving them. I'm going to lead them by listening to the needs of the church. I'm going to do it in a way that is sacrificial. Remember the words of Jesus. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The reason why we prioritize the building up of our brothers and sisters, the reason why we prioritize to serve others instead of serving ourselves is because Jesus our Lord did just that. Is because Jesus our Lord, when he was on earth, he prioritized serving his disciples, serving the people that he came to minister to, serving the world by giving his life as a ransom for many. So let us follow the example of our Lord. Let us realize that we can actually have a deeper and more intimate relationship with him when we act in love towards others, when we serve others, when we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of our brothers and sisters. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your son Jesus served us in the most sacrificial possible way, by giving his life for us. Thank you that your son Jesus gave an example of how to serve. Not only by washing the disciples' feet and by all the ministry and service that he did when he was here on earth, but even more so by the fact that he came down to earth, that he humbled himself, that he took the form of a servant.
Lord, please give us the power to serve others through the spiritual gifts that you've given us. Please work by your spirit in us. Please stir our hearts to serve your church, your body. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.